Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to the new episode and yet another brand new season of Injury Time. We've been away for a couple of months now, but we are back as the new season has kicked off. In this episode, we discuss the I-League qualifiers, which is won by Mohammedan Sporting, and what it means for Indian football. And to break it down, we have a friend of the pod, Mr. Pradyum Reddy again. He has personal experience having coached in the second division and knows the pitfalls of the league very well, which has proved to be a proving ground and stepping stones for many a careers in Indian football. So, let's get right to it. I think I'm here. You had a uh, this thing, right? One time. Yeah, I did. But it's, yeah, but it's getting to the point now where I need like a serious amount of stuff holding it back. Might have to get dreadlocks and look like that Mal- Maldives coach, the Mazia coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm in the same boat. I have a small this thing tied at the back. And uh, my parents call me now. And mm-hmm. the first thing they say is like, trim your beard because it looks <laughs> ugly and stuff. I keep telling them I have nowhere to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I I know I dropped the ball a couple of times to get this okay. podcast done. Sorry, right, man. Anyway, I ended up doing one for Nikhil Sharma. So I know I saw I saw, but fair enough. Uh, but anyway, now that you are uh, we are back properly and uh, you're yeah, yeah. going into quarantine and things, I think <laughs> we can do it. I know I'm free during quarantine to do as many podcasts as you want. <laughs> I'm gonna try and actually get people to ask me to do some stuff during quarantine, so at least keeps my uh you know just the time flying at least yeah perfect so uh finally football's back yeah well, football was back it's no longer there for a t- another month or so so second division did you enjoy it yeah i mean it was not just from the fact that it was you know, football was back after a long time there was something um, to watch in terms of an indian football context and also just um there's a lot of players that sort of cropped up that you know, probably if you look at it from the, the way the players' perspective, they thought instead of sitting around doing nothing, let me go and play for a second division team so, to get people to notice me. So that was an interesting one from, you know, and from the perspective of looking for talent and suddenly spotting players who you hadn't heard of for a while and you're wondering what they were doing. So that was good. So who did who caught your eye? Um, there's a couple of... Um, Kids, I mean, I was surprised in terms of just the whole team with uh, Garwal's performance. I thought they were a lot better than what I expected. Uh, a lot of people had probably didn't have much hope for them. And um, I thought they did particularly well, even though the points don't show it and the results don't show it. Uh, they gave some opportunities to a lot of good Indian youngsters and a, a few who, who caught my eye on their team. And um, I think, again, with uh, Mohamedan and Bhavanipur, it just showed that the experience squads squads being together and having players who've played at this level that certainly gave um it gave those guys a little upper upper hand as well as this sort of home advantage 
I don't want to give so, too many names away in terms of who individually caught my eye, but I think in terms of the teams, those are the ones that sort of caught my eye. Yeah, I mean, even I was surprised. Although Garval lost, uh, I think um, three or three of the games, they did look capable of causing some issues. I think they caused some problems for Mohammedan and things like that. So uh, there is something interesting going on in that team. Absolutely, I think they they've got. If they can keep a hold of a lot of those young kids together for another couple of seasons, and um, you'll see that them them doing really well both as individuals and as a team. And I think look at the history of the second division teams that have at the first attempt. Very very few teams normally go up at the first attempt, and it's all. And if they do, they normally drop back down. If you look at Sikkim United, took many years. Lajong took many years. So did Arimar. So did Randijit, Royal Windor. All these teams took. It wasn't at their first attempt that they got through. So, you know, it's no surprise there in a way that Mohammedan did get through because they've probably got the most experience in the second division. Now, you have experience being a coach at, in, in a team in the second division league. Yeah. And when we have spoken uh, over messages and things, you've always spoken about how difficult it is to make that climb from second division because so many random things are happening, you know, squads are changing and things like that. How mm-hmm. much harder or easier is it in this context like a burst of you know 10 days where everybody's playing every two days i think the, the frequency of the schedule i mean in that way it was actually not too bad they had a, i think a break of three days before the games which is unusual in the second division normally in the past it's always been you know, two games in a row and uh, sorry two day two day turnaround um and in i mean i've experienced second division campaigns where the groups are you know you're in groups of eight teams or seven teams and you're playing every third day, every second day. So in that regard, it was a little bit easier for these teams. There was less, it was just four games. But given the whole COVID environment and being in quarantines before you go to Calcutta and in Calcutta, all that obviously adds to it. And I think that just meant that it just became a complete sort of fracture in a way that who's going to come out on tops. Um, but I think Mohammedan that experience just showed a little bit and maybe that home advantage. And I think just overall, I think they got their recruitment. They did a very good job with their recruitment. And that helped. So, so in this, did you also, I mean, for me, the biggest difference when I look at a team like FCBU, who before going into the tournament, we thought were one of the favorites. Mm-hmm. and uh, Or at least most of the people thought they were favorites. For them to, did the lack of a foreign striker, did that show show them up in that uh, tournament? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of things in in terms of FCBs. I mean, we we've obviously seen them playing in the BDFA here as well as in their initial uh, second division group stages, you could yeah. say. And if you look if you looked at that team, you wouldn't say they were going to be contenders. Um, I think if you you look at the team that they put together for this qualifiers compared to what they were playing in the qualifying rounds earlier in the year. It's completely different teams. I think they made some significant changes, and which is why everyone probably thought they're one of the teams that have got genuine chance of going up um, because some of the names. And I think not only did they miss a trick by not signing three foreigners and they opted for two, um, you then kind of stuck with a plan A and that's basically what you're stuck with going into the into the tournament and 
in any second division historically if you look at the second division most of the time there's always been one you know one or two strikers that have been dominant in that phase and helped their teams go on to be successful so it's a huge gamble to go without a proven goal scorer uh, in such a short format because you know the advantage is you can play badly on a day but you have let's to use an example you know Dafa in your team mm. you know the entire team can play badly but he just does his thing and he pops up with a goal and you just have to sit back and defend that and i think their first game against bawanipur summed it up they played all the, the football yeah, yeah they played all the football philip aja was the difference and it was just you know it was a hopeful long ball for the second goal he made a goal out of nothing really and similarly in the first one it was a, a mis- the first goal was a mistake by fcbu he took a shot to keep a parry didn't they tap and pankaj mola taps it in so you know with going with a center back and a, a midfielder really and a poko i think they certainly missed a trick there so i did speak to uh, richard before going into that game and also in that he he wanted to play a, diff- a certain way and it looked for me it looked like the team was well coached but the defender rana garami did not really impress at uh, the same way like you said uh, as an attacker azuruddin malik was not doing much and the other ronaldo olivera i think his name is he was also not doing much so did, it felt like the issue was the front end and the back end and the middle was fine does that make sense to you yeah i mean i actually watched a few of their build up games uh, they played a couple of uh, you know warm up matches in bangalore before they left one was against both of them were against a team put together with the likes of sunil odanta suresh and a couple of other local bangalore boys who were probably going to be in some uh, i league and isl teams and they lost the first game i think it was 3-1 or 3-2 and then they won the next game convincingly 5 uh, 5-0 or 5-1 and i think in having watched both those games i just felt you know they weren't solid at the back if you're struggling against or you're conceding goals against a team that's not really a team it's just a bunch of people training in the off season um although you know sunil scored one of the goals and, and there were some top players playing for that team it it felt like they hadn't fixed the issues that they needed to at the back in terms of what we had seen in um video yeah. panel that they changed it and i think what what was significant i noticed from them was that they had gone from not so much of a possession based team in the early rounds earlier in the year to a team that could play better football and keep control the tempo of the game um because i think the old the old way of playing with a high press um strategy and playing at that high tempo would have been very difficult in the weather in calcutta and with the games coming up they can fast um so i think that's it's one of those you live and learn from the lessons but it's just too short a a campaign so you can't even rectify some of the things and um, and make adjustments so it could be you know but i don't think any team could be better prepared or you know was you could you could say they were less prepared or anything because of just the the whole way that the situation has been in and around football at the moment so ha- having been having coached teams successful teams title winning teams how different is it to actually start a tournament with a with a you know a trophy or a promotion at hand as opposed to ending a year a season with something to play for then the mindset is completely different or is that too much i mean am i am i reading till too much into that 
Well, in terms of how Mohammedan will approach the I League, or yeah, because they already won something that they were fighting for in the start of the season. Now, it's with like a month and a half to they have to restart all over again. I mean, I think it definitely gives it gives you confidence because if you're the team that's won the second division and then goes in um, to the I League, and I think just historically as well, teams that have won promotion, you know, in the past when it was two teams that were promoted or sometimes three teams that were promoted, is very rarely that the champion team got relegated the next year, although promoted teams struggle. So I think it certainly gives you confidence. Um, it gives, uh, gives a little bit of a boost. And typically, you retain a lot of those players because you've been successful. So that helps you in terms of you have some kind of team camaraderie, whereas a lot of teams, even in the I-League, might be relatively you know, it's new teams in terms of 70, 80% of the team might be put together just for this season because um, there's a lot of turnover in terms of players and in teams. So that might actually serve as an advantage to Marvin this year, especially in the first few games and the fact that they've had an extended preseason of sorts. So you'd make, you'd expect them to pick up early points this season in the I-League. And there is also the whole fiasco with Jan Love. When he got sacked yeah. by Mahmudan, once that happened, I was surprised when it happened. But when I looked back, I was like, yeah, this is sort of in keeping with uh, what was expected sometimes. I mean, I think all of us, obviously, took the nature of it, took everyone by surprise with the whole allegations about things happening behind the scenes, etc. But in terms of with that club, with that kind of behavior, it's almost, we've, we've come to, ex, you know, expect that as the norm as the norm um and bizarrely it actually you know worked to their advantage in terms of if you look at it they they were poor in the first game i mean granted they missed willis plaza missed a penalty and he did hit the crossbar as well um and they were lucky to get a, a wonder goal from um Mon Mon lagoon at the end but whoever it was that made the changes for the next game and, and picked that particular lineup they did significantly better in terms of the scoreline obviously scoring four goals. And then that same personnel or management and staff, whoever put together the team that beat Bhavanipur in the crucial game, uh, 2-0, and secured qualification. So you never know what happens behind the scenes at clubs. And, you know, there's not a lot of allegations and counter-allegations in terms of what players felt was happening under the former coach and how the management felt under the former coach. But, um, you know, you have to give him some credit. He obviously took the preseason, took the training, and and assembled that team along with the the management. I mean, I think they were obviously in, in, influential in the players that they signed, and they put together a strong a strong unit. Um, so it wouldn't be a Mohammedan sporting season without a coach being sacked and without some controversial circumstances. So you know, you you got the whole package, even though it was a condensed second division season. We got all the usual things that we expect from an Indian uh, second division campaign. Uh, so. So feel free not to answer this. Uh, and I can always edit this out also. Sure, sure. Even because Marcus wrote a story about uh, some fixing in the Goa League. And I've heard some stuff that happened in the Bangalore Leagues. And these guys are alleging that le- information was leaked and things like that in the second division. Is this a common thing that happened in Indian football? Or is it just uh, reading too much into it sometimes? Um, 
I'll tell you an interesting thing. I was speaking to someone at, uh, again, in the football industry who knows a lot about not just Indian football as well as football in Asia. And he recommended that I read this um, book by uh, this guy called Vincent Raj Perumal, The uh, Kelong Kings. And I haven't managed to get hold of the book yet. It's not available on Amazon. Uh, it's available. And anyway, to, to get to the point, one of the things that he mentions, and this guy is a, a, somebody who's been convicted of match uh, fixing at the very, very highest level. These are millions of millions of pounds and dollars, whatever, that they were fixing matches. He said, now a lot of it has shifted to smaller leagues because there's too much attention on the big leagues. There's The players are on astronomical figures, so you're not going to be able to influence players at that level and you will get reported and there's too much scrutiny around big leagues but with everything going digital nowadays and online you can you can bet on you know a second division game in maybe Bhutan probably as well as uh, as easily as you can bet on Real Madrid versus Barcelona this weekend so especially online so it doesn't really matter for you which which one you bet on because odds are odds but I think for the people who are involved in this kind of fixing and all this other stuff, it's obviously a lot easier to fix a game where the players aren't earning astronomical sums. And there's probably not as much scrutiny on those games. It's not, it's not televised. It's not um, has many eyeballs on it. So I wouldn't be surprised, as you know, we've seen it in in local league matches. We've heard about it in in matches, and you do see some strange things happening in. And I've seen it in the second division in the past especially when it came to the end of it where results don't matter in terms of you know who's qualifying from the group and there's no relegation. So you'd see these dead rubbers where some strange things used to happen. So I wouldn't put, I mean, I wouldn't put it past it happening as, as, it, as it said so in that article that Marcus had published. It's very interesting. The same thing in tennis as well. Uh, most of the spot betting things happen in challenger or the level below, not at the ATP WTA level. I guess it's like you said, it's just easier with uh, not many yeah, people. Yeah, it's easier, and I think there's just the less eyeballs on it. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> coming now into so every time you qualified from second division, you got to the I League. The whole purpose was to get to the first division, and now that you have raised I League, which is no longer the first division, and uh, Promotion seems, what, uh, another year away at least, at the very least. So what is the incentive here? Well, I think if you, if you look at it that way, I think for teams like Mohammedan and other teams, you, you want to be closer. You need to be in the I-League if you want to aim for that promotion to the top league in, in a few years' time. Secondly, I think... If you're in, I mean, this is obviously talking in pre, pre sort of COVID terms. You'd rather be playing in a league that's longer and televised. It gives you a much better platform for both your club as well as uh, as your players, because you've seen now a lot of I League clubs are quite happy being feeder clubs in in an, to use that term to some of the ISL teams, the likes of. Um, now, I think Chennai City FC has made plenty of transfer fees over the last couple of years with players, and most recently um, Ajit going to Bengaluru. In the past, Lajong's been the one that's been most successful at doing this. So you don't see too many players making that jump from a second division team 
to an ISL team. So there's not much money in transfer fees or development fees and now with this training compensation for a second division team. Also because as a second division club, you're not going to pay 12-month salary to your players to keep them on your books in the hope that you sell them on to an ISL team when your league only lasts for probably two or three months. Whereas it's a bit more feasible to do that with an I-league team. Um, so I think, yeah, that's, that's, they'd rather be in that position where their players can be showcased. And it works if you flip the argument around the other way too. You can actually attract players now who might decide to take a step down from the ISL saying, I'm not getting game time in an ISL team. I'd rather play in the I-League where I'll get noticed and it'll improve my valuation for the next year or even the, head, the national team head coach might take notice of me because I'm playing as a centre-back or a centre-forward where typically I wouldn't get many minutes in the ISL in those positions. So it can work beneficially for both players as well as clubs. And, and you've also been a big proponent of people playing second division and then coming up the ranks. And we've seen examples of uh, Adil Khan, Sandeh Singh and all those people who have come from I-League yeah, 2 and huge, up. Eugene, loads of uh, players you can fit that, Jackie. Fit that. Yeah, Jackie, Satya, loads. Yeah. So you can actually the make same an entire way, team of that. <laughs> yeah. So in the same way, like when you see people like Frankie who was playing in FCBU before and other people who have since gone and joined uh, Odisha or uh, Goa or any other te- team, as a coach, would you say it would be better for them to play competitive football in the second division as opposed to be in the reserve team and play second division matches? But those matches doesn't really have a lot of value other than game time if you're playing as an ISL club in the second division. So I think in an, in an ideal situation, a couple of things would happen. One is if the leagues were running concurrently where you could come out in a transfer window and say, listen, for the first half of the season, I'll go on loan, get some game time, come back. If I impress, then or if there's an injury crisis, I come back to my parent club. That, that would be the ideal kind of scenario rather than where you don't want to take that risk as a player now because you don't know when the second division is going to start or how many games you'll get. You'd rather take the security of the ISL contract and say, listen, let me fight for my place. You might end up having to play in a different position, which happens um, to a lot of the players when they move there. Um, And the other thing I'd like to see is if you had a rule, let's say, in the second division where there were no foreign players allowed and there was an age cut off in a positive way, you could say you have to have, let's say, five under 23 players or, or some kind of rule. Then you'd really see probably ISL teams and other teams who've got a lot of players on their books volunteering to give their players out on loan to get them game time because they know they'll play in their preferred position. You can basically see whether the striker can do it if he can score goals. Whereas you know, now, you know, as an earlier part of our conversation, we're talking about whether you have a Willis Plaza in your team or a Aja, Philip Aja. It'd be good to see if, if none of these teams were allowed to have any foreign players because you have to say none to any position rather than doing it positionally. You'd have to say no foreign players. Then we could maybe see some. You'd watch the second division with a lot more interest and think, hey, look, some good Indian strikers are coming through or some good Indian centre backs. Um, but that's you know something for AFF to make that decision. So you we spoke about Mohammedan Garwal. Bhavanipur FCBU. What did you make of Ara? Who came into this in the first phase was quite good of the second division. They were quite good, but uh, could yeah. not replicate it in this uh, tournament. No, I think they looked a bit 
underprepared in terms of um, if you look at the first game, the way they they had the advantage of sitting back and watching all the other teams. And then when they did play, they lost 4-1. I think that just knocked the stuffing out of them and uh, changed their whole mindset. And there was almost damage limitation then. And it could be because it may be very difficult in Gujarat to have got any decent opposition to play against in in the build-up to it. So they were underprepared in that respect. Um, they, yeah, it just seemed like a squad that didn't have enough in a lot of departments. They were just short on quality compared to some of the other teams. And I think that lack of, lack of match practice, lack of preparation definitely showed. Uh, and then they just weren't up to the pace as the other teams. So I, this is uh, something that I wanted to check from a coach's perspective. And I had uh, spoken to AIFF and what they were doing with the bubble and things of that nature. How difficult... So I saw the Tottenham's uh, all or nothing uh, the other day. And yeah. let's be honest, they were not... It was not really all or nothing for them, right? It was like fourth or fifth or sixth. So uh, we have... We ha- like, forget that. Please, I don't know why I said that. But anyway, uh, the point was, you see... Son or all those players training week in, week in, week in, week in, just for the sake of playing in front of the fans and to have the competitive thing. And anyway, they were always in a bubble of sorts. So now when you're coming into this where the bubble is further stringent and you can't have fans, how difficult is it going to be for the players mentally? Because my own my head is gone and I'm not even uh, anywhere close to uh, that stress level. Yeah, I think see they, the, the kind of bubbles that the players abroad are in as a little bit different because they I think they go to training and that's a bubble and then they go home to their respective homes and they're expected to not obviously go out and break certain protocols and they're getting tested relatively regularly pretty regularly at the top divisions now what's going to happen here here was a pretty severe bubble where the entire teams are being sequestered into sort of hotel rooms and you're, you're away from everything, uh, which I think makes it a little bit more tricky. I mean, it's this the second division was a short season and you could probably get through it. Um, in terms of fans, I don't think it really affects the players that much because a lot of times the way the second division is played, where, where it's scheduled. I mean, we've I've played games in um, random places like Singroli in Madhya Pradesh, where bizarrely you'd actually get sellout, sellout stadiums. And then... You know, played in Shillong where you've had packed stadiums. And then if it was the same thing, I've seen matches where it was played in other parts at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And it was pretty much empty in an empty stadium. So from a player's point of view, I don't think the fans as such would affect and make a big uh, difference. Because I don't think, you know, the likes of Garwal and RIFC are used to playing in front of hundreds of fans. And it's, it wouldn't make a difference as, as significantly, I think, for those those teams um, maybe you know it would have if, if it was Calcutta and there wasn't uh, a COVID bubble Marmadin might have been in a lot of trouble after that first 85 minutes of their first game so it might have helped it might have helped them in that in that regard um, so I think it had obviously has some impact but definitely I mean the, the mental aspect of it you, you're looking at players being locked away in hotel rooms away from families and if you pick up an injury during that time and you can't come out of it, etc., it, it must have been de- definitely tough. And I've spoken to some of the coaches and players, and you know they couldn't wait to get out of there as soon as the tournament was over. So 
certainly yeah. not. It's not something that you want to be doing as a sports person, but it is. There's no option at the moment. I mean, the ISL is going to be significantly longer yeah. bubble than than the second division, and and the I League is going to be a, a longish bubble as well. So, but it's what you have to do in these times now. Yeah, it's going to be. A, I I feel it's going to be a very strange season. Uh, in that, I mean, I really don't know how the preseason is going to happen and all that has happened. I League or ISL, whatever it's going to be. Uh, how good these teams will have trained, where they're mentally, where they'll be. Like you said, an injury and then you fester over it in the hotel room. You can't go and meet your wife. Yeah, your I, over it. Absolutely. And I mean, if you look at even in, in the top leagues, I mean, some of the, the numbers in the first few weeks of the, the Premier League in terms of goals scored, um, obviously, mm. there's go- that, that many goals scored, you start looking at that many defensive mistakes. And um, it's not like the strikers have suddenly become significantly better over the lockdown. Uh, but it's it definitely is having an effect. Um, so if it's happening at that top level, um, it'll certainly be interesting to see what happens, you know, in our in our leagues where yeah, I think the rule book goes out of the window, the home advantage goes out of the window. You might see some random and crazy scores between teams, but I think that's just all part of the new excitement. Yeah, and you will be part of that too, right? You you are also going to be there for the, the duration of the tournament. Yep, I mean the only advantage we have in terms of doing the TV work is that we don't have to have a preseason, <laughs> <laughs> so it's one less month of being uh, being stuck in the hotel or six less weeks. But you know, it's still it's still going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. So before we end, I just want to ask you this thing: like for the first time, I'm seeing a lot of. Uh, excitement over transfers to India and uh, in Twitter and thanks to Marcus to for it you know 90 95% yeah. of it is thanks to Marcus there are a few others as well but this floor over uh, who's coming who's not coming who's moving where what how does it make you feel as a coach and someone who has been involved in Indian football for a long time to see such kind of a response like some of it I don't understand because a lot of these foreign players I don't know so like when I can't get excited about someone I don't know, but at the same time you see this uh, reaction from the fans. Does it make you feel like okay we are finally moving forward slowly but surely? No, I think it's 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 definitely great to see. There's a lot more, and you know credit to Marcus. Absolutely, there's uh, you know, I don't know how he does it, and um, you know with your phone buzzing. Not enough off hours the in the day. Eh? day. <laughs> uh, but it's you know it's good to see young fans being. So interactive about it. Maybe it's maybe it's another side effect of the pandemic. Everyone's stuck at home and you know glued to your whether it's your laptop or your phone or whatever device that's giving you this information. You want to know. So people are maybe doing a bit more research when they hear rumors about this player's signing from Australia, this player's coming. So you do a little checks and everyone has a little bit more knowledge about it. Um, but yes, yeah, it, you know we've done it in, in the past couple of seasons. You and I and, and a couple of other people where you start previewing the season. And it's mm. common in in most of the top leagues. You you know you see preview shows on on TV and and everywhere that you read, uh, you buy a magazine. It'll it'll show you who the new signings are. And the fact that we're getting there is partly because I think teams are keeping hold of their core of their team together. We don't have a draft every couple of seasons. We don't have so much turnover of the core of the team. And then it's a few new players coming here and there. And you know there's a little horse trading happening as well, where players are being poached from other teams and. Coaches are being lured from one club to another club, and they're taking players with them. You know, like obviously, uh, 
Owen Coyle's gone to jump shit, Poor Valskis has gone there. Lovera has gone to... Yeah, exactly. So that actually adds a little bit of interest and then it, because the rivalry then um, mm-hmm. intensifies as well. And I'm sure like, Kerala Blasters fans this year will be very buoyant as they always are at this point of the season, thinking that you know they've they've got a great um, squad. But at the moment, like it always is, everything's on paper. So um, for us, for the same fans who are cheering that you know this player has been signed from this elite team and that player has been signed from that elite team, once the games start, that's when we'll really know how good anyone it is. Or you know they're obviously good players, but how they adjust to playing not only in India but inside of a, bu- a bubble of sorts. And how that affects both the coaches, players, and everyone else. So it's it makes it interesting because I don't think there's going to be that much movement after the season starts because we're in a bubble. I don't think new players are going to be coming in as easily if there's a whole quarantine, etc. So that's why I think maybe it's even more interesting to see who's got what at the start of the season because there's not going to be that many changes, and the new rules mean you can't bring your reserve players in into the squad. So I don't think there's going to be significant changes into the squads between now and the end of the season. Yeah, that should be interesting. And anyway, it's an A-League light that we are going to be playing in India this year. So yeah. that's also <laughs> going to be interesting. And yeah, we, we will, I'll, I'll reach out to you again to see if we can preview the ISL as we have sure, done sure. Uh, previously as well. Yeah, we'll just uh, wait till the squads come out and then we can do that, yeah. Yeah, we are, I mean, we're just looking around and seeing, okay, I think there are still a couple more players yet to come yeah. uh, to different teams. Anyway, thank you so much for your time. No and uh, we'll speak again gotcha. soon. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it's, it would be great to do this face-to-face and sit in, you know, one coffee shop or something. Coffee shop, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just uh, a crazy time that we live in. So, yeah. yeah. That's all in this episode of Injury Time. We will be back with more episodes as the season progresses with our usual analysis pieces and interviews. We will do what we can considering the situation with the pandemic and the limited access we will be getting for the players and coaches for interviews. To keep updated with whatever we are up to, you can follow us at Injury Time on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You can follow me at Sandy Noonan on Twitter. We will be back with more episodes and until then, stay safe and enjoy the game.